Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. This is part two of the Double Standard series. I'm here with our co-host, Kira Soltanovich, our guest, Dr. Stuart Fishbein, Sarah Shahi, and Steve Howie. So this nurse comes in. My wife is getting really close to pushing, and the doctor's not going to make it in time. It's just going really fast. He had gone home, and uh, she's on all fours, and this nurse, I'm a big guy. She comes in and makes me feel small. She is ginormous. And she says, uh, okay, honey, let's get over onto your back and, and open up your legs. And I just was so shocked, but I just turned around and looked at her, and I, I said, I hope you're talking to me because um, she's comfortable <laughs> in that position. And I thought I would just make that joke and everything would be okay. She was not having it. She's like, no, she's got to get over on her back right now, son. And I was, I was like 40 years old, son. And um, I think she was younger than me, but bigger. She was big. Yeah. And uh, we started like going at it. And then the resident came in who was going to catch the baby. And she's like, what's all the heat about? And I said, my wife's comfortable in that position. She really wants to force her over onto her back. And she's like, I know where the baby's going to come from. I don't, I don't care. She oh, can push in any position. And so she stormed off to some other room, that nurse. And, you know, four minutes later, the baby yeah. just dropped out. Thank God that there are some people like her that resident the resident yeah, she, at she, hot she you know that makes totally all the difference cool. in the world cool for the whole process and then we had our fourth baby at home just yeah. uh you know did that, did that resident stay in the community do you, do you remember i that? don't know i was total first of all i'm face blind so i don't recognize anybody oh, right. can i ask and, a medical uh, question yeah if your wife had transitioned and laid down on her back would that have um slowed down labor Probably not at that point, okay. but it can. I mean, the whole idea that they went to the hospital when she was three centimeters early to get the antibiotic, and then an hour later she's three centimeters or three and a half, that's, that would be not surprising at all because just the, just the getting your car and driving to the hospital and all that stuff disrupts yeah. the, the whole thing and slows things down, which is sort of why people end up getting Pitocin and, and ruptured membranes and stuff so easily at the hospital because hospital isn't designed to have you sitting there doing nothing, but the hospital disrupts the normal mammalian instinct of laboring when you feel safe and secure and un, un, ununfettered and uninterrupted. Right. When uh, any mammal is interrupted, whether it's your dog or a horse or a deer or anything by a predator or by little kids running in the room, what happens to them? They put out adrenaline. Adrenaline stops the contractions. They get up and they run away. Mm -hmm. That's what mammals do. It's mm -hmm. fight or flight. So same thing happens to humans. It's just that the modern medical model doesn't really think of you guys as mammals. They don't think that way. But it's, but it's classic. People will be booming along at home. They'll come to the hospital and then the contractions will be every eight minutes and they'll go, you know, well, we got to do something. Now you're here. Right. right. And the something should have been, you know, like you, what you did, which was very smart, which was go home. Go to a Although a lot place. of people don't live 10 minutes from the hospital. Yeah. So right. they need to go for a walk or they need to go privately. But they, you know, that's the beauty of having a doula or a monitorice at home is to keep you home as long as possible if you're going to go to the hospital so that when you get to the hospital, you're already in that transition or you know, ready second stage of labor where nothing really, whatever position, nothing's going to stop it at that point, pretty much. I see that with my doula clients. We're laboring at home. They look great. They're strong. They're confident. They're healthy. They're happy. They're just really powering through it. 
you know, it's intense, it's un- uncomfortable, but also seemingly somewhat enjoyable. And then all of a sudden, literally within two hours of getting to the hospital, some of those clients uh, look frail, pale, and like they're just going to die. And it's not because labor has progressed more, because when we stay home with those clients who are doing home birth, they get even stronger and more excited about it. Um, it's the shift. I think it's the shift of like, you're in that environment where you feel so safe and so relaxed and so unobserved. And, and things in control. Happening. And in control. It's your territory. And then just putting on a, a hospital gown just, uh, you know, doesn't make you feel all that yeah. safe. And being in a cub. And I noticed like shoving the emergency shunt into your uh, vein yeah. because we think you're going to die, but we might be able to save and you. don't forget to sign here about surgery and death. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, right. none of that seems like... I mean, even just like when I first got wheeled up, you know, to my husband was parking the car and so an orderly or somebody wheeled me up and the woman was like, um, probably the same one. Was this at Cedars? Yeah. Yeah. Big. Big. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> All right. She's the head nurse, by the way. Is she? Yeah. Uh, and uh, the first plan, thing but she, I recognize her. Yeah. The first thing she <laughs> asked me was like, uh, can I see your insurance? Can I see your ID? And it's like... I'm not checking into a Holiday Inn Express. Like, can we do this? Just, you know I'm here. I've already pre-registered. Isn't that the whole point? Do you have your hospital points card? (laughs) Get a stamp. The 10th baby's free. Continental breakfast. But I did feel immediately that feeling of uh, the defeat. They put you in this, this mental frame of we are in charge now, which I think is not the right way to treat a woman in labor. You know, there's a lot of people that are, you know, the anti-home birth people out there speak loudly and they often talk about, um, you know, making the, you know, one of the solutions would be to make the hospital more hospitable or more home-like. We talked briefly about it earlier. You mentioned it earlier. It's, it, it, that would be great, except that that can never happen. Right. Because the policies and procedures of the hospital and their um, management and administration are not going to let you come there and be yourself. They, once you're in their space... I mean, for, for, get this. If you're laboring at home for 20 hours at home, all right, no one's monitoring that baby, all right? The minute you come into the hospital, all right, now that baby has to be monitored and you, they won't even, if you break your bag of waters, they make, make it difficult for you to even go for a walk. Mm. But you walked in with broken bag of waters and you were right. home with a broken bag of waters right. and no one really was worried about it. But now you're in the hospital. Right. Now the hospital's risk management team thinks that it's, you know, a, a possible problem. And so therefore we're going to, Overtreat everybody, which then gets to that point of disempowerment that we were just talking about. We treat everybody like they are high risk. Yeah, everybody. But let me, sorry, let me ask you a question though, because what made gave me confidence in her is the realization that women have been doing this for thousands of years. I know her; she was really strong, and she had already made the decision she was going to do that. Absolutely, that that her decision make gave me confidence. How did the anti home birth community, I guess, if there is one. What do they say to that about that this has been going on for thousands of years? Well, they would just say that that uh, people die in childbirth and the more babies died, more babies died then, and more mothers died then, and that partially is true. I mean, certainly women bled to death, women hemorrhaged, women lacerated, uh, babies would be stuck in utero, and both mother and baby would die from infection because they couldn't get them out. That's the whole of that at the advent of forceps and. You should look back in the obstetrical history. You look at some of the devices and instruments they had in the late 1800s. And well, before the 1890s, they didn't have antiseptics. Yeah, well, they, before Semmelweis, they didn't even have that. But they have these things that would do things to the baby to be able to, to get it out, not alive, but at least to save the mother. Mm-hmm. So, they, they, But, but it, the pendulum has swung way too far because 
1970, which was considered the modern era, mm-hmm. the mort- uh, infant mortality and, and cerebral palsy and all the birth injuries to babies is about the same then as it is now. Nothing's really changed, but the cesarean section rate has gone from 5% to 32%. Wow. All right, and we've really got nothing significant to show for it. We've got a, and we've got a loss of skill, and we've got a loss of women, two, three, four generations of, of American women who have been taught to believe that their bodies will grow babies that are too big to come out or that they can't do certain things or uh, that their body will not function without modern medicine. And the truth is, is that if you're left alone, the chance of you having a successful birth is much greater. And the likelihood of something going wrong if you're not meddling, restricting movement, starving a woman, uh, interrupting her, putting her on Pitocin, the the chance of something going wrong suddenly, which is everybody's big fear, um, is much, much smaller. All right. That's why if you select your clients properly for home birth, you don't see that sudden deterioration that you often see in the hospital, which leads to the emergency cesarean section. And thank God we had an operating room because they just saved my baby. Now, sometimes that's true. And, and, and certain people belong in the hospital and we're not here to, I, you know, none of us in the home birth world really want to bash the hospital. We've been saying things about Nurse Ratchet and other things like that. But, but ultimately, the hospital is a great place for certain people. But 85% of women don't necessarily have any problem, and yet they're treated, as you said, as if they have a medical problem. Even our first two births that we did have at the hospital, I before we had our home birth, called them home birth at the hospital, I thought they were fine. My wife had and I had really good experiences there. But on the third one, there was a lot of pressure to intervene where I didn't see intervention necessary. And by then I had seen home birth. So by the fourth one, we just decided to save the gas and have the baby at home. Safely, yeah. Yes. So you were 32 weeks with baby number one and uh, breach, and then you come in. I call you cutie pie. Almost get decked, and then what happens? And then you turned wolf the first time I saw you. Wolf turned himself. Oh, wolf turned right, himself. Right, right. In there we ha- go. Careful of the language. Mm-hmm. The there we go. My hands. Yeah. Well, then what did I pay you for then? I don't just chatting. <laughs> really. I I got you relaxed enough. Okay. For to wolf let to turn. wolf to to turn in more room in your womb. More, is yes. what we created. Did you come see him specifically because you were breached at 32 weeks or had you been seeing him already? No, it was yeah. specifically, it was Davey and Yvonne both sent yeah. me to him. She was trying really hard not to so have to come see me. Would you suggest that women who are breached at 32 weeks start seeing you? Oh, yeah. I mean, all, I mean, I think all women should be seeing chiropractors, but, but, you know, a lot of people say, well, let's just see what happens. And if by 36 weeks the baby hasn't turned, well, then we'll start sending you to the chiropractor. That's a good, would say, uh, good point. We have a, a whole podcast on Breach called Breach 101. Uh, long story short, at 32 weeks, approximately 90% of babies are already head down. At birth, 96 to 97% of babies are head down. So more than half of the babies that are breached at 32 weeks will be head down. Just just over half at birth, so there's not you know a reason to panic at that point, but at 32 weeks we get more like 90 percent of our babies to get head down, so it is a bit of an insurance policy, um, and then also if you wait till you're 36 or 37, there's there's then it's really hard to get them head down. We we still have a fairly good success rate, but it's a lot lower than 90 percent. Uh, so the webster technique also that we use for breech babies chiropractic technique to improve the function of the mother's pelvis and create more functional space for the baby to turn is not a breech turning technique it's just a pelvic improving technique and when you have a more functional pelvis babies are more likely to want to and be able to get head down so um there's no reason not to do it at 32 weeks the external version the medical procedure has some side effects significant potential side effects associated with it that uh 
and cost. And cost. Right. Well, we're not, we're not cheap. Uh, no, no. I'm saying I'm saying that you're. Ta- I thought you were talking about ver- uh, external version. The external version. I'm saying the chiropractic right. is not. You know, it's an expense as well. But it's. Um, you know, we don't. We don't have the risks associated with it that would make us want to wait till the baby's at full term. Well, to I, do as, it. I, you know, I as a as a birth practitioner would think think that my clients who do see chiropractors often do have easier times with their labors. They often um, the babies are in better position. Uh, I I just think that you know the, even though the Webster technique is supposedly for breech babies, I don't see why you wouldn't use it on. It's, it's not. It's woman. actually. It's not specifically for breech babies. He developed. But it. people Larry, think it is. That's people what I'm think saying. it is because so many babies turn after we do it. Mm. But Dr. Webster developed it because he he basically had this pelvic paradox. So sometimes you have this really small baby in a nice healthy pelvis that just gets stuck on the way out, and sometimes you have this big baby in a tiny little pelvis that just comes through very smoothly. What's going on there? We're not looking at function in. in Pelvimetry, we're looking at size of the pelvis versus size of the baby, but that's static. There's function in a pelvis that's functional and dynamic. It can open up, it can expand and contract like a rubber band, letting a basketball through, and and the baby's head goes from like 12, 13 centimeters down to 9 centimeters. That's dynamic. You can't see that on a picture. But with chiropractic, the, the concept for Webster was if you had a more stretchy rubber band, then the basketball would be able to get through easier. That's what he was trying to accomplish. But after doing it, and a whole bunch of women who were breached, their babies started to turn. So, so we do it, but you don't have to wait till the end. We do it all pregnancy long. What's the main difference between the two? Between what two? There are two techniques, right? Oh, our the chiropractic technique is is about improving the muscles. Well, it's really the ligaments and joints of, of the pelvis. If the joints are stuck and don't move, you have a, a kind of a pelvis that resists babies moving around inside them. If you have a pelvis that's very dynamic and moves around a lot, I'm moving my hands like people can see me on this podcast. <laughs> if you have a pelvis that moves around a lot, then um, it can accommodate the baby's movements better. What the medical approach is, is to physically try to, through the belly, try to force the baby into the ideal position. Oh, I see what you're saying. And what are okay. those side effects? Why don't you talk about the side effects? Well, um, the, the, again, it depends on which world you live in. If you live in the fear-based medical world, the side effect uh, that everybody's worried about is causing a placenta to separate early or injuring the baby or causing a, a cord entanglement or something that the baby's heart rate will go down and won't come back up and you need an emergency cesarean section. Now, I know that that happens, but you know, weird things do happen. I've been doing versions for 30 years and never seen that happen. But that's part of the reason that when you do a version at a hospital, you end up basically being a medical operative procedure you a lot of times they're giving you an epidural they give you something to relax your uterus you have an iv you have an or crew standing by it's a setup for failure when you i mean when you think about if i were a woman how am i going to relax in that setting i know that's why i thought i'm like geez i would maybe go into labor the first time i saw one i was like where's the guy with the flame retardant just in case she spontaneously combusts (laughs) i was worried now, I understand that that's the model by which they care for people. And so they that's what they do. They would think that, well, first of all, they think pretty much everything that I do is is out there on, on yeah, near Pluto. Focus. But, but um, well, you know, I do versions in the office or people's homes. And um, I don't use medication. And we often use hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we... So that they believe the baby has turned? 
<laughs> no, so they bark like a dog. And, oh, then, and then the dogs, they can deliver either. either. <laughs> Every time matter. they hear a dog barking, baby turns Baby turns around. <laughs> no, it's, and, and uh, I would say the success rate's about the same. And, and again, you, often, you also have to select your, your clients properly for that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have a woman who's having her first baby who's 39 weeks and the baby's frank breached and eight pounds and she has very little fluid, the chance of that baby turning with aversion is extremely small. You have a woman having her third baby who's 38 weeks with an eight pound baby and uh, her abdomen is much softer and the success rate is, is, you know, is pretty much significant, which is sort of, it's an interesting phenomenon. I'll just divert, uh, digress sure. for just a second. Um, of the breaches that I've done at home, 80, about 86, 85 to 86% of them have been first time moms, what we call primips. And only about 14% have been multips. And so the question is why? And well, the answer is it's, out of the multips, it's easy to turn their babies to head down so you don't see it. What's freaky about that is that there are a few breach centers around the country that are beginning to form, and there's one in Portland, Oregon. I think there's one in San Francisco. The odd thing is, is that they won't do primate breaches. I mean, they won't, they won't allow primate breaches to deliver VAT to labor. They'll section them. But the whole idea, if, you're, if 85% of your breaches are going to be primates and you're not going to allow them to labor, then you're, then you're not diminishing the cesarean section rate and you're not doing i mean what's the point i think one of those i i, I think one of those breach centers that will only do multips right now um they're getting their feet wet you know their comfort zone they're more comfortable with multips because there's already been a vaginal birth the odds of a baby getting stuck on the way through are a bit less and so you know you you have the corporate higher up liability team saying don't do this don't do this don't do this and i said well what if we start with these moms that already had vaginal birth. What about tri-tips? <laughs> delicious. What's the success rate of tri-tips? Delicious, delicious my babies. My hospital doesn't allow tri-tips. Um, <laughs> my we, kid, my first kid was 10 pounds. He was almost like a tri-tip. Wow. Yeah. That 10 pounds? Boom, through the lobby. Super size me. first one, yeah. That's yeah, a big so baby. So three hours wasn't so bad. No, no it's not bad. Right. He was probably was nine like, pounds when you started pushing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love it. We are going to take a quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. (laughs) Hey, everyone. It's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart. Literally. Omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new Omega-3 Soft Gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Sarah, when did you, and Steve, when did you guys meet Dr. Stu? We met Dr. Stu, um... Oh, it was. Uh, it was I'll, windy. I'll tell you exactly. Windy. It was windy. It was sunny. There was not <laughs> a lot was, of clouds it was out. Like it was like late <laughs> July, and I was in I was in New York, and I had come to L.A. for Comic Con, and I remember I called you, and I said I need a guy. Oh, I need a I guy with like a 
wand, like one of those ultrasound things to confirm a pregnancy. I, I, I just, I peed on the stick. It's positive. I just want the confirmation. Let me back up for a second. You had your first baby at home with a midwife. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So you met Dr. Stu. Through you. In relation because to midwives the, don't do ultrasounds. So well, that's right. Midwives well, don't do ultrasounds. And also I was in, I was in New York and I was coming back oh, to you were LA. in New York. That's right. I was filming in New York and then, um, I, was coming back to LA. So we're, we have to confirm that my swimmers work. Right. So what, what did you think? You thought you might be pregnant? No, 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 no. I, no, I peed on the stick. To. I was okay. pregnant. I went to the urgent care that was across from uh, my my apartment in New York. In New York, and um, and yeah, and so and I was coming to LA for the weekend for more work, and and I called you and I said, hey, I need a guide with an ultrasound. I need him just <laughs> to tell me that I'm pregnant, and that there's really something going on in there. And you sent me two names. I now uh, Rothbart. What's his yes, name? He's my associate. That's right. That's right. right. You sent me his name, and you and Dr. Stewart Fishbein. Mm -hmm. But I saw oh, their I saw their names, and I'm like Rothbart, and I'm like Fishbein. What's a Fishbein? I'm like I've got to meet Fishbein. I'm like, what is this? I'm like I've never heard that they're name delicious. before. Yeah, they're both Jewish doctors, so you couldn't, yeah, you couldn't yeah. go wrong either way, right? <laughs> what still, Fishbein look, is Jewish? My what? my last name is I I. I I sometimes like I, I I notice people with unusual last names because my last name is Jahansu Shahi. That's my All right, real slow the end legal down. last name. So when I see an unusual last what? name, I am like, time? what is that? Yeah, really. Say it again. Does that even fit on t Twitter? No. Um, it's what? Say it again. Uh, Jahansu Shahi. Oh, so Shahi is a uh... spit just hit my eye. <laughs> <laughs> it made a left and then a hard right. Jahansu Sushi. Yeah, Jahansu oh. Shahi and um, Mazel Tov. Yeah, Mazel Tov. So you know, I, I made my appointment with with Doctor Stu, and I remember going into your office, and I remember I thanked you profusely. I'm like, oh, thank you so much for doing this. I just need a quick confirmation of pregnancy. Um, you know, Doctor Doctor Berlin, I, I got, and, he, and you were like, oh, Elliot, I'll do anything for Elliot. Remember when he was like, I love Elliot, I'll do anything for Elliot. Oh. So, I almost, I almost anything for Elliot. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> don't get any ideas. I was just getting ideas. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not dealing with Gracie, so don't. don't. Oh. <laughs> and so. Yeah, so he's like, all right, you know, let's see if we can do this the civilized way and not have to go up. So I lay down, and we had our other son. We had Wolf with us at the time. And so we sit down, and and um, you put the wand on, <laughs> and he puts the wand. Did we do it, up, uh, uh, do it? We did on it the belly, right? So it's yeah. not really a wand. It's like a transducer. What's it called? Transducer. 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 Wand would imply sort of oh, going up the uh, 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 lobby. Yeah. Through yeah. the lobby. Going, going up the aha. Going up the aha. You were more um, in the penthouse. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So we, we put the transformer. What's it? Translucer? Transducer. Transducer. We put that on the belly. The wand. The wand. The wand. <laughs> we put it on the belly. And this was his first reaction. He went, Ugh. And oh. he looked away from me. And oh. and I was like, what What was that? What was that? Like, he, 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 he split his eye contact with me. He looked away from me. And I went, what? What happened? What is that? What's going on? And, and then he, he threw up the peace sign. And then he <laughs> turned back and he threw up the peace sign. Two. And I didn't get it. I was like, what do you mean? I'm like, what is this? What? It's yeah, I never really know how to tell somebody that. When they're, cause <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what were you, you know? And so then, I turned away because I'm thinking like, well, do I, do I, do I come with a funny thing? Do I come with a straight line? Do I, you know. <laughs> Haven't do I, you been doing this long enough to know? Yeah, but I didn't know you guys. Right, right, well, right. I mean, I just met you. It was so. the yeah. first time meeting so, you. So, yeah. and, and then, and then Steve 
Steve, he literally, like, yeah, he got it. I didn't get it, but he got it, and his he jumped. He jumped so high. I've never seen him jump so high. His knees, like, almost hit his chin. <laughs> and then he started hyperventilating in the corner. Do you remember this? Huh. You grabbed the wall and you 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 kneeled over and squatted and started breathing really heavily and i'm looking at him going what the fuck is he doing why is he doing that and and dr stew still hasn't said twins to me yet so i'm like what the fuck is going on with all these weirdos in this office right now it wasn't really it wasn't, that much time didn't pass just so you know right but it felt like it, it felt like it, right. it was you know no offense. I am a storyteller no offense but the proposal nothing made sense to you this <laughs> nothing made sense to you why does it take you so you're like what's going on everybody <laughs> i you know it was just would not it, in my reality it I mean, was not it in my reality just took two pies and <laughs> right in your face <laughs> So then um, he said, he said twins. Dr. Stu said what? twins. What the fuck? What yeah. the fuck? What the fuck? He didn't make twins. Why are you getting mad at the doctor? It wasn't his fault. <laughs> I got mad that he told me. And, and then. And I was like, babe, babe. Yeah, you grabbed my ankles because I was laying down. And then go ahead. And then I was just like, babe, calm down. And you're like, no, what the fuck? <laughs> and then, and then I, no, that's when I went, I went, you, <laughs> you did this to me. Yeah. And Plug then my special. That's right. And then, <laughs> Except that that's how twins are, it, that's twins right. are made that and way. And then that's when. <laughs> it's, your own, it's your own fault. Dr. Stu said, it's not his fault. He like inserts a million guys. Like this was you. <laughs> He was like, "This, you did this all by yourself. You dropped an extra egg. Aw, those damn legs in the air. You dropped the egg on me. <laughs> wow. Can, and then can... I got on a flight to go back to work for the next six months, about two hours after that doctor's appointment. Wow. Can you drop wow. an extra egg by doing the leg in the air? <laughs> no. I don't no. think so. No, it has to be growing during the, the weeks before that. Can you will it? <laughs> She could probably. with hypnosis yeah, because she did hypnofertility. You wanted twins? No, no. She... But I remember there was a moment. I remember she... there was. I never. No, I did not want twins. But I remember there was a moment when I was standing on the corner of Times Square, and I was. Just, I remember I was just like, "Hmm, twins. That'd be cool. I wonder what that would be like." And then that was it. That was the only kind of. No, but before that, you were you wanted to get pregnant. Oh, I was so I was so baby ready. So you think she was so into it, she just like overdid it? Yeah, she <laughs> willed like, it. She yeah. willed it. But look, I'm so glad they're here. I I, I wouldn't have it any other way. But no, um, it's, yeah, and then I got on a plane, and two hours later, and it just never. It took forever for it to sink in. It still doesn't sink in. I'm looking selfies. at both of them. Yeah, I worked on a show and I had to do a lot of stunts and I told them I didn't want to do the stunts because I, you know, I didn't want oh, to do anything to harm pregnant. my babies. And oh, you did? No, I did tell them. It was it was like a series of bombs I was dropping. Like the first one was, hey guys, I think I'm pregnant. And they're like, oh, that doesn't work for your character. And I'm like, <laughs> so yeah, physical. but it works for my life. And yeah. then they're like, okay, well, let us know when you know for sure. I'm like, okay, I'm going to LA this weekend and oh. I'll let you know. Then it's like, hey, so... I'm having twins. <laughs> and uh, and the and you know my doctor says I need to be wrapped by a certain date. And that took a long time for them to get because I remember they had lawyers calling you or they had the Warner Brothers doctor call you. They had a few it to was, figure out what the date was. Vaguely. Yeah, yeah, they didn't about I, when she should probably stop. It was when I was 6 months. Stunts. Oh, doing stunts. You were still doing stunts? Well, no, it was no, when I'm, I should stop working. Stop working. Squibs on the stomach. 
Ooh. They wanted me to, yeah. Do you guys, I don't know if you guys know what squibs are, but they're just little. Fake bullets, right? They're, no, they're little, they're little explosives. Kind of. They're mini explosives that, that have fake blood pouches in front of it. Right. So when they explode, it, it looks, looks like, like you got shot. shot. Yeah. But, but they, they're little explosives. And they wanted me to squib my belly when I was five and a half months pregnant. I have that a, makes uh, sense. That makes sense. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. So, yeah. so anyway, so, you know, we didn't, uh, and, and, and it was very different. And the thing is, is I. I'm really grateful that I have had these different pregnancies because, you know, I remember, you know, the thought of being pregnant was just sounded so alien to me. And then I got pregnant with one baby and then having it at home just sounded so far fetched. And then I had it at home. And then the idea of having twins, it's like, who has twins? Like what? That's suicide. And then I had twins and you have them at home. It's like, what? And then I did that. And so it's like, I'm grateful to be able to talk about this to hopefully encourage people or inspire people you know to do something that they feel to, like they could drop do. an extra egg to drop the extra will egg. it man will it <laughs> but yeah but i but it was very different like with the first one i worked out every day you know he was 40 plus two days late um and i i walked five miles a day when i couldn't work out anymore and i was just you know just walked with the twins it was it happened i got big so quickly how'd you hide that in your uh in your work in the show yeah uh they just did because i didn't gain anything holding a lot of grocery bags no so it was just you know they just kept the the shots tight when you say here you mean like chest up oh yeah that's (laughs) yeah sorry again so but i couldn't work out you know i really had to let it go i couldn't work out i remember i started going for like long walks and i think i called you and i'm like i don't or i called yvonne i called somebody and i said these contractions like it just happening i don't feel comfortable like then just stop just stop you're you know high risk because you have to just stop if you're feeling uncomfortable listen to your body like just don't give it up also when you're pregnant and you already have kids or a kid everything changes you don't have time to take care of yourself as much you don't you don't you just can't you just it's impossible it's a different world yeah and then i get to you know the um part where i'm i don't know 30 plus weeks now and I'm just huge I'm very big I mean when I was about four months pregnant people were like any day now huh (laughs) (laughs) and you know and and so now at 30 something weeks I was just big and walking was uncomfortable sitting was uncomfortable breathing was uncomfortable driving was everything was just and I kept asking doc I'm like should I be on bed rest and you know he was very he was like no you do what you feel like you need you can if you feel like you need to put yourself on bed rest then put yourself on bed rest so was the twin pregnancy different for you steve how did it change for you Steve? did you feel bigger (laughs) how was it did you want to lie down and be on bed rest i was so hard he's been on bed rest for a long time it was bigger no no okay (laughs) we were were together for a lot of it though right she's in new york i was taking care of wolf in la and she was in new york i had wolf i had wolf back and forth wolf was with me not back and forth i don't remember it that way (laughs) (laughs) no i think he did go back and forth you're right i think i'll I'll set you guys straight whatever you need to know about your relationship just uh, yeah how was it to be away from him for 12 weeks Pregnant Wolf? with twins. I mean, you had more kids than he had with with you than he had with him. That's right. No, it's awful. Anytime you're away from yeah. your kids, it's horrible. It's the worst. But what about being away from your husband? Because you didn't mention that part. <laughs> well, she didn't ask <laughs> me okay, about I'm that part. Curious. No, it was it was no, it was awful. It was all awful because it was you know I, we find out we're having twins and then I'm on a plane leaving. That yeah. opportunity to Same digest day. this together. Mm-hmm. To you know, I remember when I I had to get an OB in New York just for a couple routine checks. 
And Dr. Stu helped me find somebody. You made some phone calls for me, I think. And Jewish doctor with a funny sounding name? No. No? He was an Asian guy. Oh. He was the guy in Business of Being Born. Oh. He was that guy's associate. Okay. Cool. So. Yes. And that Dr. guy's Jewish. Jacques Moritz's partner. Right? That's yeah, right. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and you know, like when we were 14 weeks, we wanted to find out the sex. I We FaceTimed. Wolf and I, we FaceTimed Steve in L.A. Remember that? Uh. And that's when he was like, three lines. I think it's a girl. And and um, oh, it no. sounds tight. It sounds like a, a really touching FaceTime moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, how, was it different for me for you? I mean, how much of this stuff does affect men? Like, in, like I'm. That's I'm what I want to know. That's like where how, my question is. Was it yeah. different for you? Second pregnancy with the twins versus the first pregnancy with one baby. Um, after the first one was born, it was really hard for me just because everything was so different that her and I had like it was just hard it was like because now it's like there's three and so in both were we were both working so any uh energy that was left over went to the baby oh so you guys just uh okay like and, like a lot of couples a lot of couples like yeah. not so much no 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 more of other. us it's all there it's all and going it was to the kids like, what is going on so it's so, not even necessarily because it was twins it was just like that it was but and so what happened I think is that we got to a good place uh, years after that. And then, so I was I was nervous. I was excited. I was nervous, excited. Um, the days were long and short at the same time. And, and so it was just, it was all, you know, getting ready for, you know, uh, blast off. And, and, uh, and like, how was it going to happen? And then, in, you know, looking back on it, it was great. I had a, it was, a, it was, it was great. The pregnancy was great or the, the birth pregnancy was great? was great. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, Did you guys bond a lot over the fact that you're having this unique twins experience. Yeah. Yeah. That was really nice. Was it was really... hard being in New York because we couldn't bond and there was very, and I was so nauseous and so sick and mm. I had nobody with me to, you know, it was just me by myself. So any kind of midnight runs to go get pickles or whatever it was. I mean, that was, <laughs> that was me having to do everything and. And I was working 16 hours a day and it was just and fighting battles at work. Like, no, I'm not going to do that stunt. Like, no, I'm pregnant. I told you, bring the stunt double. And so that was a whole other set of politics I was having to deal with on top of this. And I was by myself and it was just, the squibs. you know. The squibs. 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 And so um, some of our friends are also clients of Dr. Fishbein's and uh, PJ and Deb Fiddler. And they had twin girls at home. I've never heard of them before. More than, more than four hours apart, actually. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's same last, day? Last time I'm doing that. Yeah, that was the same day. Yeah. And, they, um, and they had sex at 36 weeks, and the twins came the next day. And I was so uncomfortable. I was so uncomfortable. Really? I'm like, these babies are coming out. Like, I remember I texted Dr. Stu, and I'm like, if I have sex and go into labor at 35 and, like, six days will you deliver and he went yes 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 he's like but you know i remember you were just like yes but these babies are going to come when they want to come like yeah. it's and i'm like i'm trying it i'm trying it so we're like trying to have sex one day <laughs> it was like it was awful it was awful it was it, did, it was it, twister it, it was, was twister <laughs> That's exactly right. it was the opposite Actually, of what it twister might have done it right twister yeah. might have done yeah. it twister might, been might have been better and then, and then now, and, and at that point I was 36 weeks. No, I was 
Yeah, almost 36 weeks. And then March 1st. And then March 1st. I'm 37 and two days. It all of a sudden started hailing. What? The thunder came. It was lightning. And Wolf went out, ran outside, put his jacket on. And boom, the lightning striked and it started hailing. And uh, I, I can't remember. It was one of you that said the barometric pressure. It was Yvonne. Oh, it was Yvonne. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. It was uh, the barometric pressure started it. And then like right after the hail happened, all hail broke loose <laughs> upstairs. And you just heard, Steve. And so I went, ran upstairs, and, and, there, and you were just screaming. She was just screaming at me. Well, Is it true that the weather can do that? That the weather can affect labor? There, I, I think mean, there are people that believe that. I think there are people that believe that full moon can do that and that uh, a rapid change in barometric pressure if it, you know, can do that. I, I don't know that there's any data to support that. What are you talking about? You're a licensed <laughs> medical doctor <laughs> and an advocate of a chiropractor. Of course you believe. Uh, but I, was, I went water skiing the day they had astrology. So <laughs> I, I, I missed that geometry so, and astrology. Yeah. Sorry about that. You probably suck at Tetris. Actually, yeah. I, I used to skip class to go water skiing. By the way, <laughs> in medical school. But, uh, but did your water break? Yeah. It was the mo- it was screaming? one of those. I remember I went up I went upstairs to a bathroom to go. To, I was just had to go pee, and uh, and I was you know I was going pee, and it was literally it went boom, and right as that popped, my bag broke. We are going to take a quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. <laughs> oh, really? It happened wow. simultaneously. You were like in it touch was with the like, earth. You it was struck by lightning and not hmm. known it. Ex- Is that possibly? What wow. <laughs> but so, it wasn't like so the, no the twister, hail came down no and then point. my back broke. It happened. It was simultaneously with Mother Earth. With Mother Earth, and and wow. then the bag broke. Have you been I, in thunderstorms since then? <laughs> Yes, and no bags. Nothing. Nothing. No. no. Okay. Pee a little bit. Unfortunately, not. (laughs) No. No. But uh, no. And then he was in the garage. Um, He is Steve. He being Steve was in the garage, and uh, I went downstairs and I said my water broke, and he was on top of a ladder, and he went, (laughs) "Okay, all right." I was fixing a noose. (laughs) (laughs) For who? And then, um, oh, yeah, I I tried to, uh, I went back, I texted Dr. Stu and I texted Beth. Yvonne and yeah. Beth. And um, I think you said you were in Century City or you had, you tried to make your way, you said you were going to wait in your office or something. You, you. For was, traffic or something? Yeah. It yeah. Like, something. It was, like it was three, four, five in the afternoon. And, and Dr. Stu asked I don't me, remember. Yeah. Okay. How, how far along is she? Is she close? And then. You heard her scream, <laughs> and then and you go, okay, she's, she's close. close. <laughs> so I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Well, it was one of those things. I mean, again, with the second pregnancy, you know, it was just it happened so fast. I mean, the first, the the first or second contraction were pushing contractions. They were not. Oh, right out of the gate. Yeah. Well, at this point, because you had breach issues again with the the twins. Yeah. So the girl, I forgot her name, Violet. I kind. She was she was head down. She was baby A. She was on the bottom. She was head down. And Knox had always been breached. Mm-hmm. Always. And um, and uh, yeah. So we we knew that going in that that's that's what we were looking. So at. Uh, so Doctor Stu, you for you there was nothing there contraindicated to a natural birth or to a home birth. 
No. Um, even if, for, if for, even for, if this was a primate first time that pregnancy, would, no, it wouldn't. As long as some simple rules for twins for me. Um, obviously, I'm not the the norm. Yes. But um, they need to be ter- term, so about 35 weeks, yeah. <laughs> five days or something like that. <laughs> and uh, the uh, they should be concordant, which is basically they should be within about 20% of each other by estimated fetal weight, which is done by ultrasound. Um, and first baby, what I, I like to say needs to be in what I call a longitudinal lie, which means that the baby either needs to be head down or it needs to be breached down in in a proper breech position that would be okay for a singleton. So complete or frank breech. Okay, so butt down. And then as far as, yeah, as far as baby B goes, I really don't care what position baby B is in. Um, Why? Because I'm trained to deliver baby B. If baby B won't come down by him or herself, uh, either breech or head down, and there's or the baby gets into trouble, I'm trained to reach up and grab him by the feet and pull him out. Because the door's already open. Because because Violet has done the lion's share. Well, actually, Wolf did the lion's share of the work. Really? Uh, well, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I think Steve did the lion's share of the work. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. wait a minute. That's it, why you went so fast. That's why you went so... You talked about second babies. Yeah. But in it's terms because, of, of the pathway being clear for Knox, the breech baby. Baby B. Baby B. That was cleared by Wolf? No, six no. Years the ago? fact that Violet came so quickly That's was right. cleared by Wolf. and. And um, so baby B could be footling breach. I don't try to turn. Yeah, I don't try to turn babies matter. at that point. Yeah, because if it's footling breach, as long as the, you know, even we don't rupture the membranes right away, which is why there was two hours between, you know, somebody asked, I think you asked earlier, Kira, you know, is that normal? And, and generally, and then we went off on a tangent. And I think it's not normal because in the hospital setting with twins, you're in an operating room and you have the pediatric team, the NICU team, you got a bunch of nurses there. You got the anesthesiologist there. You got the doctor there. You usually have an assistant or a resident or somebody else. You got all these people in the room. So twin A comes out, you know, they, clamp the, they clamp the cord. They maybe let it pulsate for a while, but they don't wait for a very long time. They cut the cord. They leave the clamp on. And then because everybody's waiting, what I was taught was you reach up with an amnio hook, which is a little plastic thing. You break the bag of waters of the second twin. Mm-hmm. And then... If the twin comes, and then you have her push. Do you have to wait for thunder and lightning to break the water? No. Or you can do it at any point? Okay. No, then you don't have to. You don't but have to. But see, the problem was, problem was the operating theaters at Cedars are so soundproof that you, you, you don't hear it. Know that it was, oh. Unless there was an earthquake, then you might feel it moving. Um, and then you break the bag of waters, and then if it's head first, you have the mother push, even if she's not ready. And if it's foot breach or whatever else, then you would just reach up and do a breach extraction. That's how twins were normally delivered in the hospital. That's how I learned. That you know, so the twins are generally three, four, five, six minutes apart at the hospital, and not hours, an hour, two or even apart, half yeah. an hour, or two mm-hmm. hours, or four hours. From so your yeah. your baby yeah. was a boy. It was no, a, a baby girl. A was Violet. Violet, yeah. and she came out. And I think this is important to talk about because I used to be fearful of this until we went through it. Um, and Steve can talk more about it than I can because I was so out of it when this happened. But the cord was wrapped around her neck twice. Violet's was. And, Why were uh, you out of it? Because was it not a quick labor? It was a very quick labor, but I think I was just... She's in the mode. She you know, you're time, yeah. you know, you know how Twitter. it is. It's just like... Yeah, you were distracted by... No, she was, in the, tu- she was in the tub, into the zone. I was in the tub. I was in the zone. Violet came out. You know, it's, you know how it is. It's just, yeah, you're I know just, exactly you're still in that how zone. it is. You know, you know how it is. And, uh, and so what was really cool is that for Wolf, I got to um, hold him first. Okay. You, you, you kind of delivered when Wolf was born. Pretty much. Davy 
took your hands and, and you pulled and him I, out and he was kicking and screaming. Wolf came out kicking and screaming. Okay. And, and then when Violet came out, same on all, Sarah was on all fours. I got to back up. Wolf, first pregnancy. Yes. Wolf singleton pregnancy, baby. Singleton baby. Davy is the female midwife who attended your birth. Yes. Steve catches yes. I catch wolf, wolf kicking and screaming. Yes. Flash forward a couple of years. A lot of years. Now, Violet's the uh, first of of baby five, A. Five, five, and five and a half years. Five years. And um, much different. Um, Violet came out blue, not breathing, and limp. And the cord, and, the cord and right when I saw the cord on her neck, I immediately uh, started peeling the cord back. And it was taut. It was very tight around her neck. And this is when, you know, my life was sla- flashing before my eyes. Um, um, Beth, the midwife, uh, took uh, Violet, baby A, and started wiping her face and, and put her and turned Sarah around and put uh, Violet on, on Sarah's chest. And I'm watching this. And then Yvonne, our doula, sees this and says, Steve, everything's fine. She's still getting life. She, the umbilical cord is attached. This is okay. This is fine. Because she sees... You're the, panicking. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm. De- I have the thousand yard stare. I'm. I remember it vividly. But it's interesting because you said you you instinctively started to pull the cord off the baby's neck. Well, he, well, yeah. I mean, it was wrapped around twice, and so right. it was. A, it was one of those like m- m- maneuver up. the baby so you can get a little bit of slack to get it around. But what head. I love is you weren't fearful to do that. Your like instincts just. That was it. It was all. You didn't even think about it. It was just instinct. You didn't go to medical school. And then, yeah, yeah, you didn't ask. I don't. I don't think. Have you ever played a doctor on TV? Not well. Not even. Not Not even even close. I mean, I've played a patient, but oh, well, remember that's where it comes from. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, HMO care. So, but what happened is it is I Beth, our, our our midwife, was wiping her face, saying, "Come on, girl. Come on, baby girl." Come on, baby girl. Come on, baby girl. And there's nothing was happening. And then after Dr. Stu was monitoring Knox and, 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 and like checked out Sarah, he focused his attention to Violet and he went right to her foot and started flicking the bottom of her foot. And all of a sudden color started coming back to her. And then she just did this. And then right when she did this faint little, that blue, it was like a purplish blue, just went into uh, uh, like a, a red and orange, and then it was like a light pink, and it was like, it was really, it was, it was amazing. That concludes part two of our Double Standard podcast. Be sure to share with your friends and visit us at informedpregnancy.com for other great pre- and postnatal information. And make sure to come back for part three, the final portion of this discussion on twins and other types of birth.